0: Sit down. (laughs) You can stand if you want, David. Okay, so now for our second message, it'll be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson, entitled, Under the Law? Question mark? Good afternoon, everyone. You might be pleased to know that I left some of my notes at the house, so, (laughs) yeah, under the law, question mark, I guess you notice that little punctuation there, Um, there's a church leader back in the early 90s who asked the question of his uh, ministers in the letter, I, I didn't see the letter, I just heard this reported, But he asked his fellow ministers, are we an old covenant church or are we a new covenant church? So, if that was a question that was posed to us, how would we answer that? What would we say? Are we an old covenant church, therefore under the law? Or are we a new covenant church where some say, you know, the law no longer is? Now, many Protestant Christians today would conclude that we are a new test. Testament church. And along with that belief, it would be looking at the laws of God as having been done away, that the dietary laws are no longer applicable, that the writings of Paul have done away with those things. In support of those views, one might hear things like Christ was the end of the law, or that the law was nailed. To the cross, and that the handwriting of ordinances was against us, and that the law was a schoolmaster, and that the law was against us, and by grace are you saved, meaning in the New Testament view that obedience of the law is not required for salvation, it's just, it's just free, and that's what some think is what they call the law of faith, and many get that, that idea from Romans chapter 3. In verse 28 where it says, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So we have a conflict with the uh, old and the new. That is, you know, the law of Moses and what some say is the theology of Paul, who some think said that the law was weak, that it was beggarly and done away by Jesus and That's, you know, that's often what the New Testament view is. For example, we go to Galatians chapter 4. Some use these passages as saying that Paul abolished the Old Testament law of Sabbath and Holy Days. I'm going to skip reading the first first five verses, but go to verse 6. And because you are sons... God has sent forth the spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you are no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, you did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. But now, after that you have known God, or rather, are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements, where we, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. You observe days and months and times and years. I'm afraid of you lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. So some would think that the Apostle Paul is saying that God's holy days observed at their times and in their seasons is just a bondage. It's weak and beverly that, uh, beggarly that Christ had to do away with. So it is that many New Testament Christians reason that uh, Paul preached a message of freedom from the bondage of the law or the law of Moses. And some who uh, see the law or look at the law as just a bondage, a, an inconvenience in their life, uh, they might applaud that view. But if that were so, that would do away with what makes us the body of Christ, members in particular, a holy congregation because we would have total disregard of the Sabbath as well as the other uh, commandments that uh, God has given us, especially the Sabbath as a a sign between uh, God and his people. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. This is Peter writing a second epistle. He said, uh, Beloved, I now write unto you, In both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. By the holy prophets. And you know you go back to the Old Testament. You read about their prophecies. You read about the reasons why uh, 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 penalties and punishments came upon them. And of the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first. There shall come in the last days scoffers. Walking after their own lust. These are the scoffers who will scoff at the law of God. At the things that we do in regard to obedience to the law of God. Because most don't want to be obedient to those things. And then in verse 4 in saying where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep. You know that is since they have died. All things continue as they were. From the beginning of the creation, you know, people come, they go. They're, uh, one generation after another, history goes on, life goes on. And what good has the law done? And what about his coming? And how long do we have? How long do we go? We still have war we, uh, and not peace. People still get sick and they die. And there are be- bad people. And they kill and they rob and they hurt. So life goes on. Some are happy. And some are not. Drop down to verse 13. Nevertheless we. And that's those who are steadfast. And have uh, God's spirit. Nevertheless we. According to his promise. Look for new heavens. And a new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. So we have that hope. We know that despite the things that we see happening around us. We have this hope. of uh, Of new heavens. And a new earth that is going to come. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Whether you are alive at that coming or whether you are risen from your grave, this is, uh, it's time to be diligent so that we uh, be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Verse 15, And account that the long-suffering. Of our Lord is salvation. You know, that has to do with patience. And, and we can be glad that He waits and is long suffering toward us because we may go along in life and sometimes we let uh, sins catch up with us. We may start sinning and yet we're not, you know, cast into the fire right then and there. We have an opportunity because of God's mercy and His long suffering and His patience to, uh, for us to have salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. You therefore, beloved... Seeing you know these things before, beware lest you also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. So it's, it's like in the, the earlier message where uh, a person can reason around a lot of things that are in the Bible. And give their own point of view and just twist it around making you believe, making you fall for it. If you are unlearned by the teaching of the scriptures. And if you are unstable, if you're just you know not if you're not grounded in the faith, that your you're your ears are itching for you know some other doctrine that might uh, release you from uh, what you what some might think is the bondage of the law. Now we know that Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is for reproof and so on. And we read in John seventeen seventeen that Thy Word is truth. But we know that understanding and that answers are not all found in one place or in one chapter or in one book. You remember Isaiah uh, 28, 9, through 9, it says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? Uh, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? It says, Them that are weak, weaned, that is, from the milk, and drawn from the breast. So knowledge takes time, it takes maturity, it takes wisdom. For precept must be... Uh, be upon precept. And it's repeated again precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. I'm sure those of you that, you know, are, come up here to uh, expound the Word of God, you know that it takes preparation. You know you find scriptures here, scriptures there, and you try to put it together so that it makes some kind of sense. So it is study. It requires study and re- rightly dividing the word of truth. So, uh, being under the law, uh, this is a subject that can be complicated. And a lot of the scriptures that I read will be from uh, the book of Romans. Now, Second Peter chapter 3, there's an instruction. It tells us this. That verse 18 that it tells us to grow in grace And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory, both now and forever. You know, we have to grow. None of us are perfect. None of us know all the answers. But we're to grow in grace and the knowledge uh, and understanding of Jesus. And we're to do this thing. Yet, some really do believe that the new does away with the old. And the reason is because of what some think they see over in Hebrews uh, chapter 8. So uh, if you look here on, on the wall, you know, and, uh, I know that you know, the scriptures are different. It's probably some of those notes that I left at home. So just uh, I'll try to do the best I can to put it, put it together. In Hebrews chapter 8 verse uh, 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. You know, if there had been nothing wrong with the first uh, covenant, you know, there would be no reason for another uh, covenant to institute another one. Verse 8, for finding fault with them, he he said, Behold the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Israel. Of Judah, We know that the first covenant had a lot of things uh, attached to it. There were a lot of uh, deeds of the law that had to be done. Uh, there were uh, people also that uh, uh, there was just a fault with them because the spirit of God was not indwelling in them. So fault was in them. There was a lot of fault in them. But in the old covenant we know that there were priests who ministered offering gifts according to the law. But they served as a, an example and a shadow of heavenly things that are to come. But we now have a high priest that sits on the right hand of God in the true sanctuary that the Lord pitched and not man. Uh, in Hebrews uh, verse 6 above, I'm going to back, back up to that. It says, but now has he obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. If you read through uh, verses 1 through 7, you see that the priests who offered sacrifices under the Mosaic covenant foreshadowed what Christ is doing today. What he came to do when he was sacrificed and and when he ascended to uh, the heavenly tabernacle as high priest. Verse 9, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. So, the new covenant would not be like the first one, because they didn't stay faithful to it. Verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. And you can find a corresponding comparison in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 31, throughout there. Uh, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me, to me a people. You know, our, our mind is where we have storage of every, of every, of every data that we come, come across. It may take a while for it to download into our minds, but it's there. It's in our intelligence. But then, when it's written into our hearts, we have a feeling toward it. We have a feeling toward what's there in our mind regarding the law of God. So, those things go together, our mind and our heart. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And we know that there is only one God. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor. And every man his brother saying. Know the Lord for all shall know me. From the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities. Will I remember no more. So Christ is saying this. Of of the father. It was he said it the Old Covenant, and he's saying it in the New Covenant about the relationship that we should have to the Father. In that he saith, a New Covenant, he has made the first old. Now that which decays and waxes old is ready to vanish away. You know, because he said a New Covenant then, you know, people are looking, well, what is this New Covenant all about? You know, one of the things I... I think that, uh, you know, when you have uh, up here a screen, uh, sometimes if you could just sometimes open the Bible, if you have a a pen or a pencil or something to underline, highlight some of these scriptures, it will uh, be a good study aid for you. But the Old Covenant could not work because of people. They were carnally minded. They were prone to rebellion. And... Most did not have God's spirit. And what that mosaic law couldn't uh, really do. Was to change them from within. Verse uh, Romans 8. And we see a reason. For they that are after the flesh. Do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit. The things of the spirit. They pay attention mostly to, and seek to satisfy their own cravings, allowing their human nature to uh, guide them in how they feel and how they act, not the Holy Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So Christians, we see, are to be spiritually minded. When When one walks in the Spirit... They will have peace. They will have uh, uh, lost my place. They will have peace and life. Personal life can be less complicated if we walk in the spirit, but you, we know that it is a spiritual struggle. There are wicked spirits in the world that will, you know, likely ruin your day, with something that can change your disposition, and, and then, then you quench the spirit, because it's, it's easy to do. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So the fleshly mind does not want to submit to God. Why is that? As we read, because the carnal mind Leans toward disobedience. Doing things against the will of God as we see them in his word. So instead we find a lot of people that are stubborn. They are stiff necked They are proud. They are vain. And rather than submit to the law of God. They give in to the fleshly pulls of human nature. So verse 8. So then they, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. They are in conflict with God's uh, words. You know in Galatians uh, five we see uh, the nature of the Holy Spirit. We see uh, the flesh and the works of the Spirit, like adultery and hatred and strife and witchcraft, jealousies, drunkenness, murders and so on. This sinful nature, nature can be seen in our world today. But verse nine, "But you, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So those to whom God gives uh, the Spirit upon true repentance are made submissive to the law of God. It's written into their minds. It's written into their hearts. They know righteousness from sin. And they seek to do God's will. But we know that it's a struggle. We know that it's a choice that we make every day. But we see that the the new covenant, as we read, that the new covenant is based upon better promises. In Hebrews 8 again, in verse 6, it says, Now has he obtained a more excellent ministry. And that's better. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promise, uh, promises. But the new covenant does not do away or abolish God's law. It does not establish a new law like just having faith and love and just believing in Christ. What we have is a better covenant with promises. If we look again at verse 10 and 11 there in Hebrews and a couple of those promises. He says in verse the first uh, verse 10, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And how is that done? It's through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that's the spirit of promise. In Acts, uh, let's see, uh, move on up to Hebrews eight eleven, if you will. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. So, is that the way it is today? We know the world is confused. We know the world has different ways of understanding what God's will is. But there's going to come a time when all will know the Lord. They will know who is being talked about. and They will know whose law they are following. Because he's going to, uh, a better promise, he's going to put his laws into our mind and write them in our hearts. You remember in Acts chapter 2 where Peter uh, was asked, what shall we do to be saved? Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name or by the authority of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then falling, he says. For the promise is unto you. And to your children. And to all that are far off. To Israel. To their descendants. And those that are far off like the Gentiles. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Also remember in John uh, 14. Chapter 14. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him but you know him. For he dwells with you and shall be in you. So we see another promise. I shall be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. We become children of God when we receive the Holy Spirit. And heirs of that kingdom that is to come. Having the Holy Spirit means that we are begotten. As sons of God. And that means everlasting life. That we are heirs to the glory that is to come. Heirs uh, as first fruits among many. Romans 8. Verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. "...who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death." That's what makes us free from the law of sin and death. "...for what the law could not do, in that it was weak or powerless through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh." So that uh, law w- was the one that was weak in Beverly, uh, beggarly. So we asked, well, what law was that? Leviticus seven, is to remind us, verse 37, "This is the law of the burnt offerings, of the meat offerings and of the sin offering and of the trespass offering, and of the consecrations and of the sacrifice of the peace offerings." which the Lord commanded Moses in Mount Sinai in the day that he commanded the children of Israel to offer their oblations unto the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. Back to verse 4 of uh, of Romans 8, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So how is that law fulfilled in us? by walking in the spirit by following the footsteps of Christ. You know, people believe in Christ, they love a God, they love Jesus, and there are many good people that say and do that. And but you know when he said, "Think not that I am come to destroy the law." That tells us that, you know, uh there's a certain point where it seems like the, uh many don't don't want to believe that that's what he did he didn't he didn't come to destroy uh the law as uh, brought out earlier you know he kept the sabbath the apostles kept the sabbath paul kept the sabbath and that's because christ made the sabbath he he made all things and he is as it uh, says he is Lord of the Sabbath. And when you look at the, the verb is. That is you know uh, a constant. He's presently. The Lord, even still the Lord of the Sabbath. Verse uh, 12. I mean Romans 12 verses 1 through 3. I beseech you therefore brethren. By the mercies of God. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to its reasoning, to its thinking, to the way it has intelligently, you know, uh, reasoned things out. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's, you know, changing your direction, changing your thinking, changing your thought. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 1 John chapter 2. It says there in verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. And so what we are under, as we will see, we are under the law of love. It does not replace any of the commandments in fact, we know, we've read that love is the fulfilling of the law and that love works no ill to his, uh, to his fellow man. But it also means having love toward God, love toward neighbor, as, you know, is outlined in the Ten Commandments. So we are to do those things. We are to be obedient to those things. It doesn't earn salvation. It's just what we are expected to do. And some might say, well, you know, the Sabbath day, keeping the Sabbath day, Getting ready for the Sabbath and dressing up and going to church and doing all these things that we do is a work of the law. But no, it's, it's spiritual because it shows our love toward God. <clears throat> and that's our reasonable service. God's word tells us that there is none perfect. All have sinned, all have broken the law, break one command and they all uh, are broken. So that's why we need grace through Jesus Christ. When Christ showed Thomas, you know, who, who doubted, he, he told Thomas to, you know, reach into his side to that, to that big cut and to look at his hands and to look at the, the nail holes in his hands. And to us today, that's a reminder of the presence of Jesus and his work as our Savior, as our mediator. And when we think we have a sin or some sort of trouble that we just can't come out from under. We remember looking at his hand, at his side. Because he bled and died for us in order that we might have life. So we are forgiven. But if we think we are perfect, it says take heed lest we fall. And we know that the Lord's prayer gives us, says to give us this day, our daily bread, you know, the bread of life, the word of God, and to forgive us our sins as we forgive others. So we grow and we overcome and we are made perfect through him. So what the old covenant did were deeds of the law. You had to bring your sacrifice as the lamb or, or a dove or a meal offering, or you had to be circumcised. But no matter how many bulls or goats could be brought, it could never do Away with sin. But through that one sacrifice. Through Jesus Christ. We have forgiveness of sin. And there is no other name under heaven. By which man may be saved. Romans 7.14 tells us that. Uh, we know that the law. Is spiritual. But I am carnal. Sold under sin. You know that's the way we were. Before we came into to the truth of God. To knowing what Christ has done for us. You've seen perhaps some of you uh, have seen uh, this uh, the uh, some episodes of uh, on history channel I think it is you know counting cars you know you have these uh, these uh, guys going around the highway and they're looking for cars and uh, it may be a, a old piece of a car but they see something in the car that can be uh, you know rebuilt that can be made over they look for old car bodies some ready for the scrap uh, Ready for the scrapyard. But they buy them in the condition. That they are in. And they restore them. So when you think about that. Christ paid the price. For our sins. He bought us to restore us. So you're special. In his eyes. But you know. You, you don't get, want to get a big head. Because he saw something in you. That was uh, worth saving. But we have to be shaped. By the renewing of our mind. According to the will of God. Just like these uh, guys that go around counting cars, they see something in this uh, piece of machinery that can be salvaged, that can be restored, that can be made new. And that's what Christ has done for us, being uh, renewed in our mind according to his will. Still, we are fleshly, we are prone to wear and tear. And Paul recognized that because he said in verse 15, that which I do, uh, I allow not for what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. So, we want to do things that are good, but then sometimes we just can't do it. We've, our, you know, our spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, the day that Adam and Eve sinned, they became like God, knowing both good and evil. And from that time, it has been a struggle between right and wrong, from doing what's right or doing what's wrong. It's just human nature that has to be over, overcome. I'm going to skip on down to verse 22 of uh, Romans there. I find then, Paul said, a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. There's always, you know, that conscience, that, you know, devil on the left shoulder, Angel on the right shoulder, you know, their evil is present there. Arguing with you, debating with you, reasoning with you, weakening you in different ways. Evil is present with me because or for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. We know what is right. We know uh, to do good, don't we? And we, we wish that all people were like us or like Christians and the world would be a better place. And Paul said, I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And then he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And so he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So we so we see that Jesus is our, is our sacrifice and our deliverer. We're familiar with Romans 3. I won't read all of that. But verse 23 where it says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then dropping on down to verse 28, as uh, some would uh, misread this, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. That means, you know, faith in God and Christ, that's all you need. You don't need to believe in, in the law. You know, David was a man after God's own heart, and when we sin, we can repent because we believe in the the sacrifice of Christ. Every man, every woman, every child will have an opportunity for eternal life. And we just happen to be the, uh, the uh, first fruits. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 it says. Therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into his, this grace wherein we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We know in Romans chapter 6 about you know, the grace of God, but shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And we know that uh, uh, it says that we establish the law. In Romans four, well, I, need to, I don't think I have that up there either, but where, for where no law is, there is no transgression, no sin. Because the wages of sin is death, but if there is no law, there is not that penalty. So, if there was no law, murder would be okay, adultery would be okay, stealing would be okay. But we know these things are not to be done, but repented of and overcome. Is Christ the end of the law? Romans 10.4 says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Now this word end does not mean, you know, uh, a stop. It does not mean a completion. Uh, This is from the Greek word telos, from the primary word "telo," which means to set out for a definite point or goal. Like when uh, your eyes are on the target, you know, like uh, be it an arrow or uh, be it at the gun range or wherever, or bowling or whatever, you aim at the target. That's your aim. It's not the end. Uh, uh, it's a, it's an aim. So Christ is our aim to be like Him in righteousness. So it is our daily purpose that we wake up to that righteousness. We must not, you know, uh, get up on the wrong side of the bed, but sometimes we do. Like one, you know, one woman said. <laughs> To another, I woke up grumpy this morning and the other one said, I let mine sleep in. So as servants of Jesus, we are to awake as servants of righteousness. And as long as we do that, living for Jesus, we are not under the law. And that that law is the death penalty for sin. Revelation 20 and 12 I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were open, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. And we know that love is the fulfilling of the law. We read in John fourteen, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. First John five, three, uh, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. I've got maybe half a page of notes. I'm trying to make it a little bit longer. But I won't because my notes are a little disconnected here. Uh, In Romans 6, verse 3. And I will conclude with this particular chapter. Verses. It says in verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. That is, you know, our human flesh and all of its pools, its sinful nature, was buried. Verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So, you know, we do that through what is written in our minds and in our hearts. Verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Uh, our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto uh, God. And finally, verse 14, to leave with this thought, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace.